This is Arrowhead Pride Radio on 610 Sports Radio. Less than two weeks away from Kansas City Chiefs training camp opening up in St. Joe. But we're talking about the Chiefs for the next hour right here on Arrowhead Pride Radio. 610 Sports Radio along with former Kansas City Chiefs Sean Barber and Arrowhead Pride's Pete Sweeney. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. A lot to get into, of course. We'll get you your fill, don't worry, of Patrick Mahomes. The supplemental draft took place. What did or did not the Kansas City Chiefs do? But can we just spend the next 60 seconds over something that me and Carrington have been debating here for the better part of two hours? Pete, just off the top of your head, all right? If I had to say these three guys, Jamal Charles, Eric Berry, Travis Kelsey, zero, one, two, or three by careers and end up in the Hall of Fame. Jamal Charles, Eric Berry, Travis Kelsey. <sighs> Tough. I'm going to say zero. Really? You're on the wrong side of this. It's hard to make the Hall of Fame. I know it is. But don't you have to be elite for a period of time at your position? Barber, wouldn't you say that Travis Kelsey, Eric Berry, and even Jamal Charles certainly fit that quantifier? Uh, I think they fit the qualifier, but um, Hall of Fame, man, that, that's it's going to be a crapshoot for most of them, man. Because that, that longevity, you, I mean, you can't, you got to do it for a long time. Um, of those three, I'm, I'm thinking Barry, in my mind, is the one who's closest or has the best chance. Um, Kelsey, like I said, you just got to stay healthy, just stay healthy. And Jamal Charles, I just think that there's a lot of great running backs that have come through the league. It's going to be a little bit of a roadblock for him to get in. As you're saying, I think Jamal needed. To stay healthy. I think, yeah, the yards per rush is great, but he just needed to do it for, you know, four or five more years at least. Barry to me, outside chance, and Travis Kelsey to me is now the number one tight end in the league. So let's see how the next four or five years go. For Can him. you keep it up? In the case of Eric Barry, if you made me choose one of those three guys, I'd say he has the best shot. Pete, speaking of Eric Barry, the Chiefs secondary needs him to come back completely healthy, needs him to play like the year that he came back from cancer where he finished top five NFL defensive player of the year because we would all agree that's the position of biggest need and the supplemental draft took place earlier this week. There was a guy available and the Chiefs didn't get him. Right. There were two guys that maybe the Chiefs would have went after considering the secondary depth being not that great right now. Sam Beal, the Chiefs had a chance to get him. What they would have had to have done was give up one of their two second rounders in the 2019 NFL draft. They opted not to do so, and so he goes to the New York Giants, who were in that group one in the third round, and then Adonis Alexander went in the sixth round to the Redskins. And I look at this, and what it says to me, and, and, and a lot of times what you're going to get from Chiefs, from Chiefs personnel, from Chiefs coaches is is a lot of coach speak, PR speak. So what you really got to look at is the action. So what did this decision not to go and get a guy like Sam Beal say about what Brett Veach thinks about the secondary? And it's that he thinks it's enough right now. And I would probably disagree with that. Is that necessarily, though, what it means? Or is he just not willing to give up what would have been a third-round pick? Or would have been a second-round A second-round pick. pick, yeah. I think... If he liked Beal enough, he's already shown the aggression that he would have went and got him using a second-round pick. But at the same time, he's comfortable enough with what the Chiefs have right now going into training camp. With what, And it's it's hard, man, because if you have an injury in that secondary, it's going to be a problem. Like Unless you can get a, a you know really, really good pass rush, and I have my doubts about that as well. Are you, Barbara, comfortable with the secondary? Because to me, one, who's to say 
that Eric Berry comes back 100%. I expect him to, but that's not a foregone conclusion. And two, you don't, and I, don't, I know you hate talking about guys that are no longer here, Barber, but Marcus <laughs> Peters, the truth is, he's been the best player on the defense the last couple of years. He's now in a Rams uniform. What's your level of concern with that level of the defense? Um, I, it seems to me like we're, we're more than satisfied with our guys at the cornerback position. If we're talking about safeties, I mean, um, not to bring up, you know, a guy whose name has been thrown out there, but Eric Reed is out there. Eric Reed is one of the top safeties in his league, and because of uh, things civil, you know, civil unrest, or things he, he like that. He should have been a chief. What? Three months ago. Yeah, so he's, I mean, he's still out there, and obviously if he's not signed with anybody, he's still, it's a commodity, it's easy, it's a, it's a bargain, right? And so that's an easy upgrade to that position. Um, the other two guys, I mean, like you're saying, it's from a scouting standpoint, if you don't have them scouted, you know, the scouting report you have doesn't equal up with what you would have to give up to get them. I mean, you just pass on them. If they if they got Bill at a third round guy, um, you're not willing to go up to a second round. If you got Alexander as a seventh round guy, you're not willing to go up. Then you just and to me, there were too many question marks with Alexander. It oh, was definitely. Sam Beal or nothing. So the Chiefs opted not to use a second rounder and Sam Beal. I'm happy about it because at least he goes to the NFC. It's not like he went to one of your division rivals where you're going to have to see him and things like that. You hardly ever play the New York Giants after that worst game I've ever seen last year between the Chiefs and the Giants. They won't see the Giants for another like six years. So unless it's the Super Bowl, which let's be honest, probably not. Likely. Probably not. <laughs> probably not likely. Uh, so, yeah, for me, it was Sam Beal or nothing. They went nothing. I do have my question marks about the secondary, but it is what it is. To be fair with your Giants point, an article came out earlier today on ESPN.com about the top Arsenal offensive weapons that any team has. They had the Giants two and the Chiefs one. And I have no problem with the Chiefs being number one. It was a bit of a head scratcher to see the Giants there. It's fun to talk about the supplementary draft for like the week that it's taken place and then it kind of disappears. My question is this, and hindsight being 2020, you can always look back on stuff and say, this would have been a better move to make. But man, we're less than two weeks away from this team actually starting training camp in St. Joe. So these are the faces that are going to be in the secondary. Now that we look at it, should they? And are you surprised that they didn't make some sort of a move? Not so much in the supplemental draft, but just adding to the secondary. It just seems like the depth isn't good enough. No, not at all. And Definitely that, not. And I, I hate to be the one to say that. I'm trying to be positive before we, we see any games or whatever, all this stuff, before we even see him at training camp. When you look at this secondary... What if Emerson gets injured? What if Nelson gets injured? It's going to be a problem. And, and that's, that's why I, I you know, I, I was on Twitter and, and I obviously put up a lot of articles in OurHeadPride.com and I was pushing, you know, maybe the Chiefs go and get Sam Beal because I'm a little bit out of a loss, you know, at this point as far as the depth in the secondary. I could be very wrong. And for a lot of Chiefs fans out there, I hope I am. But it's a concern. It is yeah. a concern. Well, one, one thing we do know is coaches, they love players, but general managers love draft picks. And, you know, this no last, the last draft, we, we moved up to get guys. We moved up to get guys, the guys they have in camp. And now it's at a point where if you're, you know, if you're Veach, you don't, you're, not, you're not too comfortable with having to give up draft picks for next year uh, without getting some return that you really, really sold on. Yeah, we'll see these players throughout the preseason. One of the other pieces of news I wanted to talk about today is the third preseason game against the Chicago Bears will be on national television. And the reason why that is significant is because Andy Reid has a tendency in the preseason when it's week three, he'll play his starters for two or three quarters, meaning the entire world on noon on August 25th is going to get to see your boy, Sean's Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I like that. Sean's plural because that's what they are. Sean, Sean, Pete, and Julio here on Arrowhead Pride Radio. Man, I love this Chiefs schedule. Well, okay, I don't, I don't love the schedule because the first six games – 
are unfair. I mean, that's just not right to have you go at the Chargers, at Pittsburgh, home against the Garoppolo's, at Denver, at home against Jacksonville, and at New England. But I think, Pete, if you break it down even more and just look at the road games, non-divisional, at the Rams, at the Patriots, at the Seahawks, and at the Steelers, what the hell, NFL? Yeah, it doesn't seem fair. It's not a it's not a great beginning of the schedule, and they've created a situation when you look at that regular season schedule where three and three you got to be pretty happy with. And if if they do start three and three, the rest of the schedule after the eighth game, I would say it's pretty it's pretty good. Yeah, there's an easy stretch. There. And once again, the Chiefs are home late in the season. If if it's a race. You like it towards the end. It's just you got to stay in it through the first eight games. There's a five or six game stretch, Barbara, where you play Cincinnati, Denver, Cleveland, Arizona, Los Angeles, Oakland, and Baltimore. But I think that's why it's going to be important for this team has to win the games that they're supposed to win, and they can't lose against those teams that they're not supposed to lose against because unlike the last few years, Barbara, where it's kind of been a foregone conclusion that they're going to win double-digit games, and damn it if they didn't, this year, Las Vegas thinks they're over. They're only about an eight and a half, nine win football team. So they're going to have to beat the teams that, on paper, they're better than. Well, I mean, Vegas ain't been right in a long time. Touche, so. touche. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I look at the schedule every year, and I just take it as, um, I just take it as a way to set my calendar of what games I want to go to. I don't, I don't go through the who's good and who's not based off of a year ago. I mean, free agency, the NFL, so many people changing places, um, coaching staffs, players, everything. Uh, you don't really know who's going to be good or who's going to be bad. It'll be it'll be a uh, kind of a more intelligent guess to wait until about week three, week four, and then use you know that knowledge of seeing all the teams to kind of start um, you know looking at the rest of the season at that point and saying, all right, what's what's the hard part of the season? Because you just never know how these teams I'm going to fall up. One thing I've always liked that you've kind of opened my eyes to is when you're a player, you break the season into fourths, really. Okay. So, and I heard Jamal Charles. When I was in the locker room, you know, still a member of the Chiefs.com staff. Future Hall of Famer Jamal Charles, by the way. <laughs> right, 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 right. Maybe. Right, right. Um, I heard Jamal Charles back in the day. He was doing the same thing. They A lot of players will do this. They break the season in fourth. So if you have a bad first fourth, like it's, you know, one and three, nope, reset. It's a, it's a weird, but I've heard Sean talk about it too. So I think it's a very common thing. And the beginning of this season is going to be really unique because you're talking about a bunch of offensive ready guys. You're talking about a second year, but basically rookie quarterback. And breaking it down in fourth makes the most sense in a 16-game schedule. But then, Pete, you just need to look back to two years ago where the Chiefs lost their first game. Or I should say won their first game, lost their next five, won their last ten. So sometimes even five or six games into this thing, you don't really know what you're going to get. Right, and even though it's a fresh team, a lot of the leaders that were here or for that one-and-five start also won the ten games in a row and got the team to the playoffs. So to me, just everyone relax. Figure out who you are. If you can go three and three in the first six, you're in pretty good shape. We're going to bring on Arrowhead Prides, Kent Swanson, coming up in about five minutes. But, guys, I want to talk about – overrated versus underrated Chiefs on this roster because it seems to be, according to the text line on the last show that I was doing, that not only do people really love Eric Berry in this city, but maybe they also think that he's a little bit overrated. And I think those things are mutually exclusive. I personally don't think that he's overrated. I've got another answer to this question, but curious your thoughts on the most overrated and underrated Chiefs heading into the season. Well, as far as overrated, uh, I'm going to take a – I'm gonna take the easy way out. I'm going with the, uh, the punter. <laughs> I'm going, that is I'm, that is the easy I'm way out. Easy, Dustin Colquitt cannot be overrated, right? And I'll tell you why. Because he's the greatest punter of all time. I'm like going, if you look at the numbers as far as inside the twenty, 
that's that's why they ended up keeping him at his his age. And yes, punters can play. Should I have brought him up to use a potential Hall of Famer? I basically honestly of all the Chiefs, and I'm not even kidding with you. Dustin Colquitt is probably the most likely to make the Hall of Fame right now no. on this current roster. But he's a punter. Yeah, he's a punter. Uh, Eric Berry's the most likely. Look at the numbers. If you really examine the numbers. I don't want to look at the numbers from a punter. I don't want to torture myself <laughs> like that. Go home. Forget about any kind of leisure activities that you were going to do. I got do, nothing to do. Let's be real. And study Dustin Colquitt's numbers for the rest of the night when you get back. I base everything off of Madden. And so Madden has Dustin Colquitt as an 83. He's like seventh highest on the team. There's no way on our team. <laughs> A punter is the seventh highest rated player when it, when it comes to Madden. Who so, comes to mind for you, Pete? Overrated. Overrated. Overrated to me. I, I wrote it on OurRedPride.com this week in an Love article. Love that site. For me, you know what? You know that site? For me, it's Demarcus Robinson. And it's only because, and I like Demarcus Robinson a lot, and I, I think he shows promise. But so many people I see on Twitter and in comments and things like that that are really high on Demarcus Robinson, it's like, hey, what have you done for me? I mean, I understand he had a really good uh, game week 17 meaningless he had a really good connection with Patrick Mahomes in the preseason last year meaningless there was a really good stretch during the playoffs when Travis Kelsey went went down when you which you can't ignore and that's anything but meaningless but at the same time okay so he had a really good stretch this guy isn't even the number three yet like how is he how much is he going to see the field he had about 21 catches 22 catches over 500 snaps last year everyone relaxed into Marcus Robinson I like him I think he shows promise I think he probably makes the team should we be this pumped up about the Mahomes to Robinson connection? Absolutely not. Pete, those people that are really high on Robinson are probably really high on something else because there's a lot of other weapons on the <laughs> offensive side of the ball. When it comes you're to in the, you're in the room with someone who's high on Demarcus Robinson. <laughs> when it comes to overrated, I'm going to say D Ford because maybe he's not even rated that high. It's just at some point, I would say four or five weeks into this thing, if he doesn't start to perform much better and more consistent than he has the last few years, then you're going to see somebody else on the field playing that position. What about underrated, guys? Because we've talked about our overrated, and we can agree to disagree. Barbara, who do you think is the most underrated, at least on paper, player heading into this season? Well, obviously, going back to my Madden ratings. He's going to go with the kicker, isn't he? He's about to go with the kicker, Pete. <laughs> I if you name he's gonna Harrison say Butker, he's going to do it. Uh, Harrison Buckkicker is a is an eighty at Madden, but he is not my most underrated. I thought he, I thought I thought he was underrated at eighty. I thought he should be eighty three, but. It's Reggie Ragland. Reggie Ragland is a 79 on Madden. I think he's going to be an outstanding. I think he's going to be a possible Pro Bowl candidate this year as far as manning the, the interior of this defense, making the calls, having better, putting everybody in place. And he's a run-stopping monster, dog. I, I like Reggie Ragland. I think he should have been rated higher on Madden, and he's my underrated guy of 2018. I like it. Look Speaking of Madden, poor James Winchester at a, four, a 43. There's, <laughs> what? Because there's no long snapper position. So Winchester rolls in as a tight end at 43. Is there a minimum ranking? Even as though? a tight end, he, he should be breaking 60, right? James Winchester is an athlete. That's like a girl walks into a bar and you're like, she doesn't even make the scale. She's a negative <laughs> two. Like, come on, man. She's at least I don't a two. Know. I don't know if we should I don't know if we're allowed to at say that in twenty eighteen. But uh, yeah, but we're allowed to say that. <laughs> Xavier Williams for me is the most underrated chief. They Chiefs went out and got him. The uh, Arizona Cardinals had him as a restricted free agent. Chiefs made an offer sheet. Cardinals weren't willing to match. This guy was rated by PFF among the top run defenders in the league. Huge problem for the Chiefs last year. Could be a problem this year. They play Le'Veon Bell early. That's going to be the test. Is it is the run game better? Reggie Ragland is another guy who's going to help with that. Xavier Williams for me. I think this guy's underrated nationally because we've only seen him for one year. According to ESPN.com's preseason fantasy football rankings at the running back position, they only have Kareem Hunt 
seventh, even though he led the NFL last year with 1,327 rushing yards, not to mention an additional 53 catches for 455 yards and 11 total touchdowns. I don't think he's rated high enough. I think heading into year two, he has already become an elite running back in the game. Speaking of elite, it might not be next year for Patrick Mahomes. It might take a little while, but you're going to be surprised the type of offense the Chiefs might use. No huddle? Patty cake? Really? We'll break that down next with Kent Swanson of Arrowhead Pride. It's Arrowhead Pride Radio. It's 610 Sports Radio. Well, the Chiefs season is actually about to have some news. We're less than two weeks away from the team reporting to St. Joe. Welcome back into Arrowhead Pride Radio. Coming up in 10 minutes, we'll talk some defense and get you our beer of the week with AP's Craig Stout. Welcome back in studio with Sean Barber, Arrowhead Pride's Pete Sweeney, Sports Machine Sean Levine. We'll talk defense in a little bit, but let's stick on the offensive side of the ball. Everybody wants to talk about Patrick Mahomes. And Pete, you tell me that the offense might have a little wrinkle in it that nobody's expecting. To be honest, I'm surprised it took us this long to talk about Patrick Mahomes. But yes, I, I believe that the offense may have a wrinkle in it this year with Patrick Mahomes. And that's because, again, this guy's a lot different than Alex Smith, someone who's been diving into the film for us at Arrowhead Pride as the lead draft and film analyst. New title for Kent Swanson. Swan, uh, Kent, you are continuing. You're building the offense for Patrick Mahomes series uh, it's got been going well, and, and now you're saying that in kind of the final articles for this thing, you expect Patrick Mahomes to incorporate a bit of no huddle into the offense in 2018. Yeah, I do, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of different than what they've done the last few years. The Chiefs have actually been one of the slowest paced offenses in football the last couple of years, and uh, I think they should change that a little bit this year. Add one series a game with a little no no huddle, up-tempo, and take advantage of a bad personnel matchup that the defense gets into and then just exploit it from there. Now, we know Eric Biennemi is the offensive coordinator now, so there will be no question, at least at the beginning of this year, I expect for the full year of Andy Reid to remain the play caller. How does incorporating this type of no huddle um, concept and the no huddle concepts change the dynamic a little bit between Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid for those given plays? Well, I, yeah, I think it, there is a dynamic that has to be considered, and I think this is kind of like a, a reward uh, for kind of a reward of trust to Pat. You know, he's done a lot to get to this point. You know, he spent the last year plus developing his game, trying to 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 turn into an NFL ready quarterback, and I think letting him go out and have a little bit of autonomy, uh, one series a game would be a really cool thing for Andy to kind of you know entrust Pat with. And then just to see if they can kind of, you know, win a little bit with some tempo. You know, like the Chiefs, one of the benefits that they have is they have a a wide variety of personnel groupings that they throw out on the field at times. And, you know, the defenses, all of them play them differently. You know, if the Chiefs, you know, for instance, you know, the Chiefs, when they go with 13 personnel, three tight ends, you could, I've seen dime, nickel, base. I've seen all kinds of, of personnel groupings that defenses have thrown out there against it. Find one that you think you can exploit and then go out and not let him leave the field. Kent, in his last two seasons at Texas Tech, Patrick Mahomes, 36 touchdowns, 15 picks. His final year, 41 touchdowns and only 10 picks. So 77 touchdowns, 25 interceptions, pretty glossy numbers. But how much of that did he did out of the no huddle down there at Lubbock? 
Uh, he, they definitely incorporated a little bit. Um, you know, obviously with, you know, with, with the kind of offense that they're running, they spread things out. Um, they didn't let defenses, you know, leave the field as much. Obviously, there's a little bit of a substitution kind of change in, in rule that they kind of in, incorporate there. But the Chief, they wanted to move. They were they were on the move a lot. And I've got a couple examples of some plays that we'll be talking about on Arrowhead Pride tomorrow where the defense was a little gassed, a little tired, not prepared. Uh, it could be a fun little wrinkle to throw in there. That's what I'm talking about, a tease for tomorrow on the website. Kent, thank you very much. Before we let you go, we're not going to ask you about the Hall of Fame, even though Levine would love that. I want to know your most overrated and underrated chief. Who? Uh, okay, underrated. Yeah, I heard Barbara about to say it earlier. The most underrated chief on the roster is future Hall of Fame kicker Harrison Butker. Oh, easy way out, Kent. <laughs> No, that is my guy. I am all in on Butker. I think he's got the chance to be one of the best kickers in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, my overrated guy, uh, it's, it's Sharkandrick West. Uh, yeah, I, look, I like Sharkandrick. Um, I think he's a good dude, and he's, he's great in pass protection. Uh, but he's worth, he's, I don't know if he's too, worth $2 million. He, of, of 110 running backs, that caught five or more passes last year, he was 106th in yards per catch. That is, that is a very low number of 5.6 yards per catch. That, that's, that's not acceptable. Little known fact, now all 110 of those running backs are on the Chiefs. <laughs> and all the oh, Williams. Yeah. yeah, we got every Williams, uh, every Williams in, the, uh, in the league is now, now a Chief. It's a great stat, but what in the name of Nick Lowry or Jan Stenner is he talking about with Bucker? Not a chance. <laughs> I, I, I'm a believer, man. I've been on the hype train as, as soon as he started uh, producing. He's Kent Swanson, the lead draft and film analyst for Arrowhead Pride. Check out his Building the Offense for Patrick Mahomes piece tomorrow. Thanks, Kent. Thanks, fellas. He's also the charter member of the Harrison Bucker fan club. You can't forget that. This is an Arrowhead Pride Chiefs show. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be talking about Patrick Mahomes more than anyone else. So that's, that's usually the rule. But now we've mentioned both kicker. We've mentioned the kicker. We've mentioned the punter. And we've mentioned the long snapper. And we're at minute 27 of the show. All right. Well, we'll get much more into Patrick Mahomes, Pete. Have no fears. But how about the guy that he's going to turn around and hand the ball off to? Because obviously we all have high expectations for Kareem Hunt. But Barber, this dude as a rookie led the NFL 1,300 rushing yards plus. Out of the backfield, another 50 catches, almost 500 yards. To think that he's not going to taper off is probably going to be a little bit unrealistic. Well, I think he kind of did what he did. You know, he did the same things he did in college. I mean, he's a guy who's very elusive when he has the ball. He's a, He has a, like that tree stump lower body. It's hard to get your, your arms wrapped around him. He has a, a quick step right before you make contact to make you miss. Uh, glancing blows doesn't knock him off balance. Uh, he's great with, you know, holding on to the ball except for that first carry of the season. Uh, but I think that, that's but that made him better. That made that. Don't you guys think in a weird way that made him mentally tougher that he was able to overcome that and have not just the game but the season he had? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it didn't rock him not a minute. I mean, he got to the sideline, kind of somebody slapped him in the head a few times. Eb said something to him, and then it was like, all right, let's go. Eb said something to him. He said, "We're about to feed your ass." That's what he said. <laughs> And that, you know, normally when you say that, you're like, wait, what the hell does that mean? In football context, it makes a ton of sense. I just think, Pete, that his stats can't be the same if for nothing else, he's not going to touch the ball as much. Not only do you have Sammy Watkins on offense and still only one football, as far as I understand, 
but you've got a healthy Spencer Ware and a bunch of dudes named Williams. Yeah, it's it, you joke a lot about it, but it's it's intriguing to me. Not not so much Kareem Hunt being the starter, but what's going to happen behind him? Because you have all these rostered running backs. There are real, really no patterns as to what the Chiefs have done. I'm just going to go through it quickly as far as people, or I'm sorry, running backs they've kept at, at the deadline. Andy Reid with the Chiefs kept 3-13, and 13, kept 5-2014, and 2014, but DeAnthony Thomas was at the time considered a running back. Three in 2015, four in 2016, and then two in 2017. Remember, Spencer Ware was hurt, and C.J. Spiller was a surprise cut at the 53. Again, they brought Spiller back, cut him, brought him back about eight times. But taking the average, so say you got to keep four of these guys. I think the question is, who gets kept? And it's and it's intriguing because they brought Kerwin and I'm sorry, Kerwin Williams and Damian Williams on for one year deals, and then. A lot of people don't understand that they signed this kid, this undrafted free agent, Daryl Williams, and he's the one to watch because here's my thing. You know what Damian Williams is. You know what Kerwin Williams is. They had okay careers elsewhere, but really not that great. The sky's the limit for Daryl Williams because he was just a backup at LSU, and he reminds me, if you watch the tape, of Spencer Ware. You know what you have in Damian and Kerwin, the first two Williams? They stink. Daryl Williams is the one to watch. How do you really feel about those other Williams, though? Pete Sweeney, Sean Barber, <laughs> Sports Machine, Sean Levine, Julio Sanchez on the wheels across the glass. I think that we agreed, what, Barber, last week that they were going to keep three, what did you say, three or four running backs on this roster? Three, three. So if they do keep three, it's a foregone conclusion it's going to be Kareem Hunt. I think we would all agree Spencer Ware is going to make the team. So that means it's either going to be West, Brown, or one of the three Williams as that third running back. My question is this, Pete. Who cares? Does it really matter when you talk about top-end running back talent like Kareem Hunt, who you could argue, because look at the numbers. He was the best running back in the NFL last year, and Spencer Ware, when he's good, he's great. When he's healthy, he's great. Is third running back going to be anything else than a guy that touches the ball twice a game? I mean, last year towards the end of the season before he got hurt, it was Akeem Hunt. And a lot of people, especially the casual fans out there, didn't even realize there was another Hunt. But Spencer Ware was hurt. Right. I I think, listen, the, the third running back, isn't going to see as much play. And I, I, I just wonder if, if you're going to see a Sharkandrick West or a Spencer Ware cut just because it's going to be so tight. And, and you don't know how Spencer Ware is going to re- return from the injury. He looked okay in the clips, but it, he was favoring that injured leg a little bit. So, so you disagree with me. It's not a foregone conclusion that Spencer Ware is the backup running back. I don't think it's 100%. I think you got to see how he looks. Yeah, it's not a foregone I mean, you got to get through training camp. Um, you got to get through preseason. Obviously, you're going to try to save Hunt as many reps as possible during the preseason. So Yeah, you better. He touched it 232 times last year. If I'm guessing, I disagree with Barber in the sense that I think they'll keep four. I think they keep Kareem, obviously. I think they keep Sharkandrick. They've, they've liked him as a blocker. I think Spencer makes it. I'm not 100% sure about that. If they keep three, I think Spencer might be the one out. And I watch my guy, Daryl from LSU. I think that's your last guy. Pete loves him some Daryl Williams. That's Pete. That's Sean. I'm Sean. Cross the glass. That's Julio and you until 7 o'clock here on Arrowhead Pride Radio. Coming up next, we get off the offense and onto the defense and the beer of the week with Craig Stout right here on 610 Sports Radio. Talking red and gold, and it feels great. Welcome back into Arrowhead Pride Radio. Julio Sanchez on the buttons. Former Kansas City Chief Sean Barber, Arrowhead Pride's Pete Sweeney. I am the sports machine, Sean Levine. We'll talk with Craig Stout here momentarily, but Pete, I just had an epiphany during the break. I changed my mind. Oh, no. 
I think the most overrated Chief, this pains me to say, is Justin Houston, based on what he's done the last few years. But can I say somebody that's their first year? I've got Sammy Watkins' numbers right in front of me. I hope I'm wrong. Career high. He's only had 1,000 yards once. Career high touchdowns with nine. Are we so sure that this is the 13-touchdown, 1,200-yard receiver role making him out to be? L.A. wasn't really using him as a primary receiver. They were incorporating Robert Woods. I think you got to look deeper with the numbers with Watkins. He's very good in the red zone, and now maybe the Chiefs won't have to pass to Demetrius Harris for touchdowns. Like Maybe finally they have a red zone guy, and his drop rate, Sammy Watkins is stupid in a good way. Like he won't drop the football. He's zero. Like I think he's, yeah, he's got like a zero drop rate. He um, might have the best. He, he's certainly got room to improve, but when it comes to his hands, his hands are like Elmer's glue. They're, they're, <laughs> he just puts Elmer's glue on his hands before yeah. the game. And you, sir, are the glue that keeps this show together. <laughs> Pete Sweeney, proud Sean Barber, Sports Machine, Sean Levine. The Chiefs' offense is going to put up a lot of points, which means the defense is going to be on the field a lot, which means it's time to talk to our defensive expert, AP film analyst, and beer expert, Craig Stout. That's right. And we all know, Craig, you're a Bob Sutton guy. I am. Keeping I up, am a Bob Sutton guy. <laughs> keeping, yeah. keeping up with the Bob positivity this week. The Bob-sativity? The Bob's, you know what? How, how I didn't come up with I'll that be here till 7, Pete. Keep, I'm gonna put the <laughs> a little Sweeney in there. the machine talking Chiefs. Giving... <laughs> Keeping up the Bobsativity this week. Where have the bright spots been, would you say, if you're trying only putting on your Sean Barber blind spots for a second here, where have been the positive spots in Bob Sutton's tenure as a Kansas City Chiefs defensive coordinator? Well, when I was looking this week, I was looking at Football Outsiders stat DBOA, which is Defensive Adjusted Value Over Average. It basically takes every play that every team runs and grades how they do compared to the rest of the league average. So let's say the Chiefs are going up against the Rams and it's second and five and they give up a run of eight yards, but the rest of the league only gives up a run of four, they get knocked for that. So it's a good way of kind of comparing the Chiefs against good teams and bad teams and weighting them appropriately so that you can find out how they're actually doing year to year and Bob Sutton's DVOA in the passing game is excellent. He's only got one year where he's been outside the top half and only two where he's been outside the top seven in the league in passing DVOA. And Bob Sutton has been forced to play a lot of snaps for Dunter Robinson, Marcus Cooper, Ron Parker at corner, Philip Gaines, Terrence Mitchell, these aren't the cream of the crop guys. They, they, a lot of those guys either were cut unceremoniously by the Chiefs or not re-signed or haven't done anything after they left the team. So he's really made something out of this pass defense that maybe not necessarily was there. And last year, I argue, was an anomaly. I think... You make a very good point, and that's something that I haven't really thought of during this whole Bob Sutton offseason backlash. That team that he took over in 2013, they ended up having like seven guys that got cut on other teams on that team, and Bob had to work with them and, and kind of had a really great season. Didn't the Chiefs start off 9-0 and that year? Now I think he's obviously trying to rebound from last year. He's got the Calvary in. Do you think this year will be better for him, Craig? I do, I do, and I, I mentioned that two of those 
years that he's been here were outside the top seven. Those two years are 2017 and 2014. Those two years have in common Eric Berry being out, injured. So I think, you know, it's, it's not a surprise to say that Eric Berry is going to have a giant impact on this team, but the numbers back it up. He really made such a huge difference and more so than any cornerback that was on that field. And if he's healthy this year, do you expect him to make the same kind of difference? Because if you look at the win-loss record, when Justin Houston was off the field a couple of years ago, the end results were about the same. Last year, the net results, 10-11 win season, about the same. So my question is for both of those guys, what type of a season do you expect for a couple of often injured players, Justin Houston and Eric Berry? Well, I'm never going to count Eric Berry out of anything. I mean, the guy's eat cancer. The guy has been injured and come back stronger every time. So until he doesn't come back stronger, that guy's going to be out there and he's going to have an all-pro season. Put a number next to it, Craig. Top top five safety, top five player at his position this year? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, top five safety. Okay, and Justin Houston? Um, Justin Houston, I think, is probably going to be a top uh, five, six, seven in that range as far as uh, edge players go in the NFL. He's still very, very good. He's just, you know, you. When I'm looking at that, these numbers, the 2014 season, you know, obviously he lit that up, and he's still very good. He's just good in different ways. Craig, I want to bring you into the firestorm before you get out of here, just because it's the only fair thing to do. Craig Stout of Arrowhead Pride joining us here on 610 Sports Radio. Earlier today, we were talking about the guy that you and I have just spoke about, Eric Berry, and then I also brought up Jamal Charles, also Travis Kelsey, trying to project any or maybe multiple future Hall of Famers from this Chiefs era of football. I put it out there. I said I think Jamal maybe isn't going to get in there because of the longevity or lack thereof. Travis Kelsey, you're kind of trying to project what he's going to be the next four or five years. I think that when we look back on his career, he's going to be borderline. Most curious from your perspective about Eric Berry, do you think he ends up in Canton? I think that Eric Berry ending up in Canton is entirely dependent on if he stays healthy for the next five or six years. If he's able to go for another five or six years without injury and play at this high level that he's proven he can come back from, I don't see why there's any reason why he couldn't get in. He may not be a first ballot guy, but he definitely could be a guy that's in the conversation. Now, Craig... Before we let you go, one thing you do for us every week. Talk some beer. Fan favorite segment. What is the beer of the week this week? This week, we're, we're going back to KC. We're staying in the Kansas City area. KC Beer Company. Whoa. And it's their Dunkel. And their Dunkel is everywhere all over town. I've, I've seen it all over town on tap. It's in bottles. You need to go pick it up. It's a very easy-to-drink little malty, a little bit of caramel, a little bit of toasted bread crust, but it's a lager, so it's really light body and not a whole lot of hops. And I love KC Beer Company because they brew using the Reinheitsgebot, which is... Oh, my. God bless you. Wow. That was nice, Craig. I like when you talk like that. (laughs) All right, he is Craig Stout. A bonus... Now on OurHeadPride.com, he'll do an article every Friday about the Beer of the Week. We'll look forward to that, Craig, and uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks, guys. Barber, last week for the Beer of the Week, did you go out and grab you a, uh, what was it? 
Was that the do- dog dogfish head? Was last week right? The dogfish head beer. Yeah, no, I didn't have a dog. <laughs> I see you taking those notes over there. I do take notes. I, I think I've seen that dunk around. They spell beer like b i e r b i e r. Barber, yeah. as the only guy that actually played on the Chiefs defense, I mean Julio. Yeah, I think he could have made the team, but he didn't. Pete, I think would have been a good like second, third, maybe fourth round draft pick. Water didn't make boy. the team. I got completely screwed with my NFL career, but I'm curious. How frustrating would it be to hear your name talked about as an overrated player? If you're a guy like Eric Berry, because we've been talking about it all day long, or Justin Houston, a guy that's put in the years, a guy that's been an all pro, but that some people in your own town don't think you're that good. Anybody who is uh, a possible nominee for Hall of Fame is not listening to radios to determine uh, how frustrated they are with their day to day. I guarantee EB is breaking down. Go ahead. Excuse me. <laughs> Your excuse, sir. Pardon me. I'll no. take that one. Disgusting. Um, yeah. In little, public too like much, that, Barber? <laughs> too much cheese. <laughs> How much cheese does to you, man? I got a little... Too much beer dunkle. Beer dunkle. Casey beer dunkle. Yeah, I got to talk to Craig Stout about that. I don't know what it was, but cut it out, man. We're in a close <laughs> studio here, all right? That's Sean Barber. That's Pete Sweeney. That's Julio Sanchez. Coming up next, Pete, it's your favorite segment. We find out what the people want to know right here on Arrowhead Pride Radio. Putting a bow on this bad boy. Welcome back into Arrowhead Pride Radio, 610 Sports Radio, and all over the world on the radio.com app. Julio Sanchez, former Chief Sean Barber, my main man, AP's Pete Sweeney, sports machine Sean Levine. Pete, this is your favorite segment because you get to do most of the talking and you get to choose the questions that we answer. That's right. The members of AP Nation sent in their tweets, their comments. We're going to read them and talk about them. And we start with Kevin Chaney. What's more likely, we're surprised how well the D plays or how poor, more poorly the offensive play, will play. So what would be more surprising to you? How well the D would play, how poorly the O plays? I know where Barber's going, so I'll take this one first. I'm going to be more surprised if the defense is even somewhat good. I, I fully expect this to be a top five offense and maybe, a, let's say, a bottom eight defense. So if the defense surprises me by being top half of the league, I'll be ecstatic, Barber. I also will be more surprised by the, the actually the defense. Yeah, the defense will surprise me. Um, I'm I'm counting on the, the the system and the draft picks and everybody to come in and just play their part. The offense going to be rolling. When you get an offense going like that, you don't have to do much on defense. Keep it simple. Uh, know your jobs. Get the ball back for the offense. It shouldn't be that hard a job. Pete, I think even if Patrick Mahomes isn't what we all hope he turns out to be, and he's I don't think he's going to be, what was our guy's name on the Bills? Nathan Peterman, five, six picks in the first half. I don't think he's going to be Deshaun Watson either, but if he's somewhere in between, I'm not worried about the offense. I think I'd be more surprised if the offense plays poorly than the defense playing well. I'm starting to feel a little bit better as I go along with the defense with Craig's Bobsativity. I'm not feeling, I appreciate the Bobsativity. I appreciate somebody in town still supporting Bob Sutton, but I just think that there's no chance the offense sucks. Never say never. Justin Bieber. Derek Akers, what record is it going to take to win the AFC West? Before Bieber said that, I think that it was in an American tale. Fievel Mouskowitz. No, Bieber, never I, say Bieber never. I think, was the first one to say that. <laughs> Jeez. What was your question? I didn't pay any attention. <laughs> Derek Akers asked, what record is going to take the AFC West? Not a ton because there's going to be a lot of carnage. They're going to beat each other up. All four teams. Plus tough schedules. Oh, yeah. And the Broncos, I think, are the weak link. I think they're like a six or seven win team, but I wouldn't be surprised if any of those other three teams win double-digit games. So I'm going to say 
Barbara, I'll say 10 and 6 takes the division. I'll go 11 and 5. I think we're going to have, uh, it's going to come down to us and the Chargers. Um, I think the Raiders are going to be the Raiders, and the Broncos will bring up the rear. If it does come down to us and the Chargers, that's a week 14 matchup Thursday, December 13th. Prime time. Get your popcorn ready. Get your popcorn ready. 10 and 6 takes the AFC West. AP reader Z-Man 84. Will Anthony Sherman show up to training camp with a shirt on? No need to, right? I'm uh, saying no. That would be my bet. He always wears something weird. Yeah. Last year he had overalls and a wig. Oh, uh, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to uh, go swimsuit or something like that. What would you say he was? Overalls and a wig? I'm going, yeah. I'm going no shirt, fanny pack, and high heels. Oh, American flag speedo is okay. what I'm going yeah, with. Yeah, speedo. AP Reader, pour one out for Mahomes. Which starter on offense or defense can we most afford if we were to lose them to injury? <laughs> pour one out for Mahomes? That is awesome. <laughs> um, on offense, Kareem Hunt. I think that if he goes down, because he was the biggest difference between a really good offense in 2016 and a great offense in 2017, and what we expect to be even better. So on offense, I'll say if Kareem Hunt goes down. On defense, the funny thing is this, man. We've seen this team be pretty good without Justin Houston and without Eric Berry, but I just want him to stay healthy, so I'll say Eric Berry. I must have misheard the question. I thought it was that we can afford to lose the most. Yeah, so. you can, you can, you're okay, you'd be okay if they went down. Oh, you're right. I answered it wrong. <laughs> My bad. You want to retake? No. No, you can take it. Okay, so I think we can afford to lose Sammy Watkins the most just because he's the new piece. Um, if we lose him, everything goes back to where it was. Uh, early last year, 2017, with Chris Conley falling into that position, which he's coming back anyway. So I would say uh, definitely Sammy Walker. Barber, cut me some slack. He said poor one out for Mahomes. How was I supposed to concentrate <laughs> after that, dude? I'd say whoever ends up being the left guard, because right now they're in- interchangeable. I don't think the Chiefs have a clue who's going to be playing left guard. So to me, they're kind of looking them at them as even. It could be Witzman, could be Anger. My boy Pete loves to talk him some offensive line. Dang. Josh. Am I too excited for Mahomes? Should I see a doctor? I don't know what your medical conditions are, but I don't think you can be too excited for Patrick Mahomes considering that it's been, what, 35 years since the Chiefs drafted Todd Blackledge and had a plan for a drafted quarterback to win games. So, no, it's impossible, Barbara. Too excited for Mahomes? You can't be. I'd I'd pour two out for Mahomes if it was me. Drew Johnson asks, can you name a Chiefs player, past or present, that you've loved for no particular reason? Oh, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Hayes growing up. No reason. I just liked him. You remember Jonathan Hayes, tight end number 85? No. Uh, Billy Baber, tight end number 45. I have uh, no idea why I love this 59, Sean Barber. I don't know if you ever heard of him. What? That's your boy. No, I've never heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. He was all right. Good looking. I mean, again, he was all right. Looking. And he's good looking. Eldon Beers. What are the odds Raglan and Hitchens are the one-two punch I'm expecting for inside linebacker? I think the odds are high. Bro, I hope so, because Reggie Raglan was a guy last year that you hoped that he would be good. Barber, none of us could have expected that he would have such an impact that he had. So I think Reggie Raglan, man, if he's able to do what he did last year, what a blessing that would be. I mean, he's living up to that 59 legacy. You know, it's not a lot of guys that come through wearing that 59 jersey that um, have that kind of legacy. Would you say he's the best-looking 59 to come through? I would say he's making the best plays. That that Alabama boy knows how to stop that run. So um, Reggie Raglan's doing his job. And I I actually think Hitchens, when he comes here, I don't think everybody knew how good he was at Dallas. I think he was one of the most impactful backers on the field for the Cowboys. And coming here, um, the dynamic duo will be 
patrolling Gotham City again. Very quickly, if you could see one chief play another position, who would it be in which position? What is this? Because there's a bunch of pitchers, field, you know, second baseman <laughs> pitching these days. I want to see Butker play quarterback because you guys love him so much. Lord, um, give me Mahomes playing defensive end. Madden rated James Winchester a 43 tight end. Give him a shot at tight end. Thanks to Julio Sanchez. That was Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride, my man, Sean Barber. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. Check out the website, arrowheadpride.com. It's Arrowhead Pride Radio. It's 610 Sports Radio.